This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Well, I want to bring you a message today entitled Destined to Conform. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Somebody said, are you still in Romans 8? I said, I could be in Leviticus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So he's like, thank you, Jesus, for Romans 8. Amen. Romans 8 and 29. This verse has caused a lot of confusion for a lot of people. It's caused, uh, there's a whole denomination. If you're Presbyterian, this is their, their flagship verse. And uh, there's been a lot of a debate over this verse. But Romans eight twenty nine, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I thank you for the joy of the Lord. God, I ask you that today. You will speak to us clearly through your word that we would be changed. Not like we were when we came in this place. God, I'm asking you that this word that we are predestined to something better will grab hold of everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, let us leave, leave this hour changed. Amen and amen. I want to take you back in time for just a moment to one of the greatest moments in sports history. The year is 1932. It is the World Series between the Cubs and the Yankees. It is the third game. It is tied one game each. In the third game, it is now tied four to four. There are two outs, and the batter that comes to bat is none other than Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth steps into the batter's box. Charlie Root is the pitcher. And Charlie Root does not fear Babe Ruth. Charlie Root is the greatest pitcher in the history of the Cubs club. As he stares him down, he sends the first across, and it's a strike. Again, there are two outs, one strike. The second comes across, and it's a strike. He has him. Two strikes, two outs. Suddenly, Wrigley Field goes wild. They begin to heckle the great Babe Ruth. And what does he do? He steps out of the box, lifts his bat, and points at center field. He steps back into the box. The next pitch, Babe Ruth sends 440 feet to the very spot that he had pointed. The babe had called his shot. He made a bold prediction that changed the game. And I already feel the presence of the Lord this morning. He made a prediction that changed the ultimate flow of the game. His team would win the game and they would win the series. And it began at this moment. I've made some bold decisions in my life. I've made some bold predictions in my life as well. I have 
believed that God was on my side. I'll never forget as a young person making a decision. I was receiving some persecution for my faith, but it wasn't from other young people. It wasn't from my schoolmates. It wasn't from people outside the church, but it was people inside the church who had grown comfortable in their lack of faith. And I remember them telling me, you're going to compromise your stand that you've made for God. You're going to compromise your stand and, and, and you're, going to, you're, going to, you're not going to honor God. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, we know that you're, you're about to do this and this and this in your life and you're going to have to go get a job and, and you're going to have to back down on the preaching and you're going to have to back down on, on uh, being here all the time. I turned down a great job that was going to cause me to miss church. And I don't know why, but the next time I was preaching, I stepped on the stairs and, and I looked and I said, I said these words. I said, I'm going to honor God. I made this prediction. I said, I'm going to honor God and I'm not going to back down on my faith. I'm going to honor God by being in his house and God's going to provide my needs. And then something hit me. There was a holy unction that hit me. And this is what I said. I said, as a matter of fact, not only am I going to be blessed, I want to have my dream car. There were very few amens like that moment right there. (laughs) They just kind of went, yeah, you'll grow up. See, that's the problem. We're too busy waiting for people to grow up and letting their faith die. I made that prediction, and, and you know what? When it came true, I had no clue, no clue that I'd be so shocked because when I walked back into that church, I was not, I was not arrogant. I was more humbled because I realized that God took a bold prediction of faith, and, and I'll never forget that moment either. I, I, my car uh, had been, uh, someone had hit me and totaled my car, and so with what they were paying and what I could afford, not my parents, but what I could afford, at that moment, I walked onto the car lot, my friend's, uh, my dad friend owned the car lot. And he said, Don, I got two cars that you're going to pick from. And I said, you have two cars. And they were both my dream car. And he said, you can afford them. And I said, I can afford them. And he said, yes, you can afford them. And I drove off that lot and I drove up to that church where I had honored God and made that declaration. Why did that happen? Because I was an arrogant kid? No, it happened because I had enough faith to believe that God would provide if we honored him. You know, I've made a bold prediction this year. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really, really tired today. I, I preached my heart out in that first service. And by the time we get through uh, with three services, I go home and kind of go comatose for about 45 minutes to an hour. I, I'm absolutely exhausted. And I've made this prediction that I don't know how and I don't know how it's going to work out, but my God is going to put us in or on by our, our 25th anniversary, our new property. I'm believing God for that. And I've asked you to pray with me about that. Amen. We might be digging a hole, breaking ground, but we're going to be there because I'm believing God. Matter of fact, I'm praying a prayer that makes that one look like a wuss. Some of you are going, oh God, we're in trouble. Yes, we are if God's not with us. You see, there's something about making bold prediction that God likes. There's something about calling something out that God likes. God likes the prophetic. Why? Because God is prophetic at his nature. He began to prophesy in the very beginning of time. He said, he said, this snake, you're going you're gonna to bruise uh, one that's coming's heel, but he's going to crush your head. He started making prophecies in the very beginning. And over and over again, those came to. He even prophesied that that one that would come, that he would come, and he prophesied to the day that he would be born. He prophesied where he would be born. He prophesied who would worship him. He prophesied all of these things about it and every single thing all the way down. He said, this is who's going to betray me. This is how they're going to torture me. This is where they're going to kill me. This is how they're going to kill me. And then he said, but then I'm going to raise from the dead. And he even prophesied the exact day that he would raise from the dead. He is prophetic by nature. God likes bold prophecies. I want you to get that. And the one who spoke that into place here in Romans eight twenty nine made a bold prophecy about you. 
He made a bold prophecy about you. He called you a winner. He said, you have been predestined. You have been destined to win. You have been destined to conform into the image of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is not a defeated one. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the one who looked death, hell, and the grave in the eye. And he rose in power. And he said, I am going to conform you into the image of the ultimate conqueror. But yet we believe the lie of the devil. We believe the lie of the enemy and we feel defeated and we feel discouraged. But God said, I predict that within you, there is one who will win. The same one who looked at Peter. When everybody else saw an angry fisherman, he said, I'm going to take you and make you a fisher of men. And then he said, and I see within you, not instability, but I see within you a rock of faith. And I will call you Peter. And he moved him from what he was into what God had called him to be. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit of God as I'm about to make this statement to you. My God wants to look inside of you and move you to from where you are to what he created you to be. He wants to do something people want to talk about. He looked at a woman who was a, a, a prostitute as she washed his feet with her tears and cleaned it with her hair. And he said about her, he said this, he said what she does today, Matthew 26, 13, says what she does today will be proclaimed even as far as the gospel is preached. And over 2,000 years later, that prophecy is being fulfilled right here, right now. Why? Because he made a bold prediction about someone who was willing to get radical with their faith. And I feel this today. That's what God sees when he looks at you. He sees a conqueror. So if there's a conqueror inside of you, my question is why don't we begin to live our present in light of that destiny? Why don't we begin to live where we are? Most of us live where we are accepting things we should never accept because we feel like more of a failure than a a victor. We feel defeated. We feel discouraged. And so we will accept, my goodness, I feel God in what I'm saying to you. We will accept compromise. We'll bring it into our lives. We'll bring compromise into our lives because, well, I've already failed. I've already messed up. I've already struggled. But instead of seeing the failures, instead of looking in the mirror and seeing the scars, what if we could somehow see past what the enemy has told us? What if we could see past all the lies of the devil and all the sin and all the shame, but instead we see a destiny that's inside of us and say, you know what? Sin may be tempting, but there is a call on my life. There is a purpose in my life and I have chosen to honor God with all that I am let's live in light of our new destiny but the problem is we're conditioned you're conditioned in your life there are things whether you want to admit it or not that have preconditioned you to feel like you have no purpose conditioning happens it happens sometimes it's for good sometimes it's for bad sometimes it's little things it's little things that you'll do when you get nervous any nail biters in here People who laugh when you ought to be running for your life. (laughs) Fake smiles. Come on now. Things we do, they're conditioning. It's like, this is the most ridiculous uh, thing. I would never want to teach this to you. This is not the word of God. But when when I was a little boy, we had a pastor who taught that it it was wrong to say, God bless you when somebody sneezes. That's what he taught. It was it's wrong to say, God bless you, when somebody sneezes. Don't sneeze. Please don't sneeze right now. But uh, uh, it was wrong. And so literally, I'll be driving in the car with somebody I'm just trying to get to know, and they'll sneeze, and I'm like, I can't say it. I can't say it. Is there anything wrong with saying it? No, I've been preconditioned in my early life not to say it. And so I'll actually say it in Spanish to them. I can say it in Spanish, but I can't say it in English. Why? Because of the preconditioned. Seems silly, right? Yeah, you know, yesterday I'm sitting at the ball field 
As I'm sitting at the ball field watching everyone wanting to become the next Babe Ruth and all these little kids out there and they're, they're playing and, they're, and some of the parents are they're over the top already and I'm thinking it's just draft day. And as I'm watching, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I feel, watch this, I feel like I'm eight again. Now, when Charlie was playing basketball, man, I'm like, what do you need? Let's go. Can I help? Because that's my thing. But I grew up where we had several ball fields. And at eight, nine, ten years of age, it was always the same story. We don't have enough to play. And it was 18, 19, 20-year-old guys. So they would, they would literally force those eight, nine, ten-year-olds that lived there out on the field. And I didn't mind going on the field, but what I minded was what happened when they realized that, one, I couldn't play, and that, why did they have a kid on the field to start with? Because it never ended well. Why didn't you catch the ball? I told you I couldn't catch the ball before we started. And so as I sat there yesterday, I literally found myself praying this, please let there be enough dads that I don't have to get involved. Please let there be enough dads that I don't have to get involved. When I am perfectly capable but there's conditioning from my... Am I making sense to anybody? You see, when you came here today, your conditioning's trying to tell you that you need to stay in defeat. Your conditioning's trying to tell you that that sin, that you know exactly what I'm talking about right now, that keeps knocking you down, that keeps pushing you back, that sin is going to always be in your life. But what you're not hearing me try to tell you this morning is that the blood of Jesus Christ says that you have been predestined not to be bound by that sin, but to be conformed into the image of Christ. And Christ is not bound by that sin, so thus you don't have to be bound by that sin anymore because in Christ you are a conqueror. Is this all right? I feel this today. People are like, Pastor, you don't understand. That's just how I am. It's time for you to stop accepting how you were and stop accepting the way that you used to do things and say, you don't understand. I've been bought with a price. I am full of the Holy Spirit of God. I am a child of the King and I will win. I'm glad you're not getting too much with me this morning because I might get fired up. (laughs) Man, I feel this. Jesus said, you've been conditioned. He said it this way all the time. This is the way he said you've been conditioned. He said, you've heard it said, but now I say. That's what he said. You've heard it said, but now I say. He said, you've heard it said an eye for an eye. See, that's the way a Jewish person was conditioned. You you break my bat, I can break your bat. You hurt me, I can hurt you the exact same way. It was their conditioning. It was their law, the culture. He said, I want you to live on a higher level. He said, you've heard it said, you've been conditioned to do this. He said, now I want you to learn to turn the other cheek. I want you to become what God has called you to be. What does conditioning do to us? It affects how we respond. I want you to get this simple phrase. It's easier to act like a Christian than to react like a Christian. Do you get that? It's easier to act like a Christian than react like a Christian. Actions are premeditated. Reactions are what happens when you weren't expecting what happened to happen. And you're like, ooh, you pushed my, my button. <laughs> you know what happened last week while Christy and I were preaching? There were spouses sitting here going, he's talking about you. I'm talking about you. If when you're in an argument, if, if they do something and you lose your cool every time they do that, you've got a button that you're conditioned somehow. See, it's sort of like this. When you, when you say, hey, this is over, I'm conditioned by an abandonment situation. I'm conditioned the moment you say it's over, then I'm done. That's my conditioning. But instead of walking like that, I need to let the Holy Spirit remove that button from my life. 
You see, he didn't call me to walk in that bondage. He called me to walk in freedom. And I may have been conditioned that way, but that doesn't mean I want to stay there. I want to be conformed into a victor. Am I making sense to anybody today? You see, grace wants to change your reactions. Grace wants to help you react. How's that going to be accomplished? It's going to be accomplished in Romans 8 and 29 by two things here, predestined and conformed. Predestined means God predicted about it about you, and conformed means you're going to work on it. Open your Bibles quickly to Philippians chapter 2. Let me give you this. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. Every parent needs Philippians 2.12. You need to memorize this. Every parent needs to memorize it. You will use this verse. Are you ready for this? Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue. This is a verse that has been misused, misquoted, and an excuse for sin. Watch this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I grew up hearing people say, well, you do it your way. I'll do it my way. I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, they're saying, what works for you may not work for me. That's not the application of this verse. He said, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. I want you to see this. I want to put it up on the screen because I want you to get this. Salvation is a free gift from God. Can I get an amen for that? So you can't work for it. You cannot. Or somebody called me from church not too awful long ago and they went, if we forgot our pay our tithes, are, are we going to hell? I said, excuse me? If we forgot to pay our tithes, are we going to hell? I said, your salvation is in the wrong place. It's not in what you do. What you do is a product of who you become. You cannot earn God's favor on your life. You cannot earn the grace of salvation. But watch this. Just because I can't work for it does not mean I don't have to work on it. Somebody goes, Pastor Don, it's a free gift of God. It is a free gift of God. Your redemption is settled. Are you living redeemed? That's what's not settled. Because you let your reactions tell you if you're living redeemed or not. If you're not reacting right, then you're not living right. Did I just say that out loud? But see, the problem is this. We feel, yes, I said it, amen. <laughs> we feel like we're either on or off with our salvation. We're either really serving God or we're not serving God at all. And there's a problem there. The problem is we are either further along than we, we're actually not as far along as we think we are, or we're, we're probably in some kind of trouble. But here's the reality is none of us are where we need to be, but we're probably not as bad as we thought we'd be because there's something working inside of us that's pulling us to something better. So how do you work it out? How do you work out and make it better? Well, it's just like any other muscle. If you want to make it better, you have to work it out. It's time for you to take your faith to the gym. How do you tremble? Zach came home the other day. He and Adam had been working out. and Literally, when he walked in, he was sitting there talking to us, and his car keys were... He'd been at the gym. There was trembling going on. Trembling was going on because he worked those muscles to the extreme, extreme point of what they could take. 
When you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it's when you stop playing with what you're... Man, I'm about to preach. You need to get this. It's when you stop living comfortable for Jesus. Well, I know this is what God expects out of me, and this is as far as I'm going to go. It's time for you to get radical about it. It's time for you to let people know that you're saved. It's time for you to start telling people they need to be saved. It's time for you to start doing what you know you're supposed to do. And as you start working out, doing what you know you're supposed to do, watch out because you're going to be stretching that muscle. You're going to be stretching that faith. And as you start stretching that faith, there will be some trembling involved you let trim you let i remember i don't know why this sermon has changed every single service but i remember one time i was a young boy i was praying for people people were getting saved in the altars i was laying hands on somebody and there was a friend of mine his name was victor victor was a young african-american man he was really expressive and victor was had been down because he'd broken his back and, and and he was just really in a very very timid way as he was praying for people on the altars and all of a sudden the holy ghost of god spoke to me and said go over there and, and, and just 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 hug him and pick him up I said, Lord, I'm not going to go hug him. He's got a broke back. The Holy Spirit of God said, do it now. And you see, there was, a, there was a nervousness inside of me that began to come at that moment. Some of you, it happens when you try to raise your hand in church. But the problem is you've been conditioned by somebody that said, you're supposed to keep your hands in your lap, not make a move, or I'll pinch you in church. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We tried that with Bethany in here one day, and she, Christina pinched her, and she screamed out, why did you pinch me? Amen. <laughs> but you've been conditioned. You can't raise your hand to worship because your conditioning is fighting you. You understand? I was struggling the same way. I was like, Lord, I can't pick him up. I can't do that. Help find the Holy Ghost. You know how that works. You kind, of re- you kind of resist the Holy Spirit to where you feel that sickness in your stomach. And then I was like, just come back, Jesus. You know? He's like, go do it. So I ran over to him before I could change my mind. I picked him up like this. I went, hallelujah. And all of a sudden, he went. Krick. He literally looked at me and said, you killed me. <laughs> and I put him down. And he started moving like this. He said, oh, my gosh, brother, God's healed me. God's healed me. He started moving under the power of God. Look, I was just a kid that God was speaking to, but I, that did something that day. That did something. Uh, uh, Pastor Greg uh, preaches over in Canton. He was telling me that uh, about a couple years ago, he said, God walked in and, and, and uh, trust me, unless it's God, I'll never do anything like this. He said, God said, slap him. <laughs> he said, I ain't slapping him, God. <laughs> He'll slap me back. God said, slap him. He said, I'm not doing it, God. And finally the same thing. He resisted, he resisted, he resisted. And then trembling came in because he knew it was God. And he reached out and he went, bam. So the guy looked at him as he's about to draw back and knock him out. And the guy started screaming, I can hear, I can hear, I can hear. His eardrum had been blown out as somebody had shot next to him and God healed him in an instant. You see, those things are scary. And why could you do that when you can't even get up and pray? When you can't worship yet, when you're afraid to open your Bible because you're afraid you'll learn something you're not doing right, Am I preaching truth? You'll never see miracles until you start walking daily. See, that's what it's called. It's called linear progression. That's how you grow in your faith. It's called linear progression. If let's say you want to you do uh, 25 push-ups. Anybody can do 25 push-ups? Anybody who knows they can't do 25 push-ups? All right. So let's say you can only do uh, 15. So you want to get to 25. Well, if you start pushing yourself, trying to get to 25, the problem is you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to wound yourself. But if, you'll, if you can do 15, tomorrow do 16. And the next day, do 17. 
And the next day, do 18, 19. And by, the, by, the, by the, that final day, you've built up to 25, and you can do that because it's called linear progression. As you add a little bit at a time, you finally get to 25, then you get distracted, then you don't go out there and do it again. You're not doing it for a little while, and you find yourself, oh man, I got to start over. But here's the thing here's what happens in muscle memory. When you could do 15 before, but when you start over, now you start somewhere around 19 or 20. Why? Because you progressed in your body. You might have lost it for a moment, but you've grown when you put yourself through the process. Does anybody see what I'm trying to teach you? You might have been saying, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. And you're living for God. You're serving God. But all of a sudden, sin overwhelms you. You fall into temptation and you find yourself back at the beginning and you're shaking your head. And the devil says, stay back there where you belong. But God says, I have destined you to be a victor. And he calls you forward and you move quicker to where you're going because you've grown in maturity. Am I making any sense? Y'all be glad you said yes because now I can move on and the sermon's almost over. (laughs) Philippians 2.14, the verse every parent needs to know. You need to underline this in your Bible. You'll quote me on this one. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Amen. Next time your children start and say, Philippians 2.14. Come on now, amen. Do it without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Watch this. In which you shine like stars in the universe. Paul says God's plan for you is to be a star. God wants you to be a star. Now, the stars in the universe, the actual word that he says, the stars here, means to reflect. A star's reflection determines how much of the sun it reflects. That's called albedo or albedo. And albedo means how much do you reflect the sun? Now, Venus, for example, is the largest albedo. With, I think it's around 69% albedo, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, excuse me, 65%. It maintains a constant 65%. So that means when when the sun hits Venus, 65% of the sun is reflected. Pretty awesome. Pluto, the dwarf planet, has a differing reason. It's not the largest. It actually gets up to 66%, but it also gets as low as 49%. It reflects the sun that much. Our moon has an albedo of 7%. 7% of our moon reflects the sun. But yet 7%, I want you to, there's hope in this, 7% of our moon reflecting the sun is enough to light our way in the dark. It's enough that on cloudless nights, we can find our way. Why is that important? You have been called to reflect 100% of Jesus Christ. That's what you're called. Your albedo should be 100% of Jesus the Son. Is there anybody in here who reflects Jesus 100% of the time? Because we really need to change places right now. I shouldn't tell it again, but I'm going to pick on Pastor Daddy. In the first service, he just happened to scratch his head at the moment that I asked that question. I was like, man, Pastor Daddy's really grown in Jesus. Amen. But you know what? I realize I fail. I don't reflect Jesus. I don't react 100% of the time the way that Jesus wants me to react. I don't do it. I stumble, I fall, I make mistakes. At this point, I'd probably be happy to be the moon. 
But that's not condemnation. I find hope in that statement. Because even at 7%, if I could just react like Jesus 7% of the time, it's enough light to shine in the darkness to help someone else find the sun. That we might become like Jesus. That He might change who we are. That where we struggle, we would find victory. Hope would overcome us. Change our lives. Stand with me if you would this morning. So here's the deal. It's your turn to come to the batter's box. I mean, it is. It's your turn to step out onto the field. How many of you feel like you're in the on-deck spot, the person before you is, I mean, they're, they're ready, and then they go down, and they're the second out. And the whole team looks to who's in, who's on deck. Who's on deck. And as they all look to who's on deck, there's one of two things that happen. You're either at the top of the order and they go, yes. Or you're the bottom of the order and they go, oh, it's time to go get ice cream after the game. See, some some of you feel like the top of the order and some of you feel like the bottom of the order. But there's one in the crowd. No, let me rephrase that. There's one above the crowd. That he sees you. Not as the bottom of the order. Not as the top of the order. But he sees you as the perfect one in order. And he says, you can do this. You step up to the batter's box and you failed and you struggled and you know God's called you and you're already, there's already a full count against you and what are you going to do? And the enemy is staring you down and you know he's about to send his best attack against you. What most of us do, let's be honest, most of us do is we just kind of get ready, embrace ourselves, close our eyes and swing for the best. That's what we do. Kind of just, just try to win this thing. Maybe everything will align. And I'll be the star instead of the chump. You have been called to reflect the glory of God, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is Spirit. Here's what we're going to do. We're either going to keep trying, just hoping that tomorrow I'll actually beat that, or just hoping that tomorrow that sin won't, won't get past me, just hoping that maybe, maybe. I mean, some of us will be happy, literally, with, with, with knocking the ball just a little bunt just so we can try. But I'm looking for people of faith this morning who when the devil's been staring you down and you've fallen time and time again, you'll lift that bat and you're going to point toward victory. And you're going to realize something God has destined me to win. He has. All hell is heckling you. All hell says it's over. All hell says it's done. But this time when you step up to the plate, you begin to quote, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You begin to quote, I will finish this race because he that has begun a good work in me is faithful to carry it through. And then you give it your best. And your bold prediction of your best lines up with his promise and victory is yours.
Bow your heads with me today. Our God is faithful and our God is good. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Don, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's an area of my life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands today. Because I believe that I've actually talked to everyone in the room. No one's Albedo is where it needs to be. No one is reacting every single time the way you're supposed to react. There's power in your reaction. People can see your growth in your reaction. You would say, Jesus, help me to win. Help me to live today in light of what you see in me. That's who I want to pray for today. Father, I pray right now for everyone here. Lord, I I know that many say, where's the altar call? Many are saying, where's the traditional raise your hand? Lord, right now, this is everybody. Everybody is up to bat. And everyone in this room is predestined for victory. I curse the lie of the devil to hell where it belongs that has told them that they are a loser and they will not win. And I call the favor of God in the place in their life. I call the victory of Christ in the place in their life that they would become who you called them to be. People of faith, people of victory. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your favor. I thank you for your love. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I've done nothing but strike out my whole life. And you're ready to hit your first home run this morning. You're ready to give your life to Jesus. You're ready to let him do the work in you that's needed to be done your whole life. This is the first service that I take in this point. We normally do it every service, but today there's somebody here. This is your moment to give your life or to recommit your life 100% to Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you and this service is going to be over. But if that's you, let me see your hand today. Today's the day. You want, to, you want to know Jesus. Thank you, sir. Are there others that will join this fine fellow? Today, this is your day. The Holy Spirit has arrested this service for you. This is your time. I'm not striking out. I will win by the blood of the Lamb. Join hands with someone near you. We're going to pray this prayer of salvation together today. And lives are going to be changed for all eternity. The Bible says we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead and that Jesus Christ is Lord. We would be saved. We're going to pray this prayer of confession now. For those that raise their hand, this is your moment. This is your time. Here it is. Let's pray together. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promise. Father, I repent of my sins. You see my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you. Jesus, I believe your sacrifice covers me now. By faith, I receive grace in Jesus' name. I declare Jesus Christ is Lord. He is alive forevermore. And from this moment forward, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. 
Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord some praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.